We're back. Episode 40 of Cap and Trade. I am Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap. I'm joined by Landry Locker of Houston 610 Sports Radio and the YouTube channel The Locker Room. Dan- uh, Daniel, see, I almost called you Damn, Daniel. Damn, dude. Damn, Daniel. How's it going, sir? It's going good, man. I'm uh, I'm taking in this post Astros parade. I'm fully, fully, fully excited about this Texan season. Um, I, and, and I'm excited to talk to you. But I, I'm not gonna lie, man. It's been a wild week. If you just go back to what was going on a week ago tomorrow, uh, with Game Five and the Texans playing, and then you know the potentially two World Series games here and an opportunity to win a World Series. And then um, Detroit wins and they give the Texans what they need, that number one overall pick. Then the parade. It's just been – there's been a lot going on, man. Lots. Good stuff, though. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited for it all. And it's been a – it's been a wild week. Uh, you know, we went went solo last week, so that was fun. And uh, I know – there's a lot going on with the Astros and you know, we saw the Texans game, saw against the Eagles and you know, there's you know, not a whole lot to say about that game. Yeah, the the offense kind of showed signs of wanting to come back to life and and show some semblance of cohesion and a little bit of work despite being short uh your top two wide receivers. Uh, the rookie Cateriano gets his first touchdown of the season, but the defense. What is it with tight ends getting touchdowns in their first games of the year? Uh, because <laughs> OJ Howard, OJ yeah. got two. Yep. Cook, uh, Aikens got one, and then he gets his. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, it was somebody. Somebody had to catch him, and it certainly wasn't going to be uh, Philip Dorsett or uh, Tyron Johnson, wide receiver, wide receiver three, wide receiver four. So hey, Philip was making plays though. Yeah, yeah, 69 yards receptions, you know. But, I mean, just at a high-level view, I mean, the offense, like I said, had a little bit of cohesion coming back a little bit. But the defense is just getting worse and worse week by week. And, you know, it's kind of one of the things I wanted to pick your brain on. You you see all these – all the different publications and outlets doing their, their mid-season awards, right, their unofficial mid-season awards. And, obviously, majority of them for the de- – defensive player defensive rookie of the year everybody's picking on a uh, picking sauce Gardner up in new york and there's always been this sauce versus stingley discussion point through the whole year and it, i mean it's clear that they houston's not using stingley to his strength right he wasn't a, a, a zone cornerback in college he was a, a press man Leave him on an One island. One of the best main corners in right. the history of the SEC conference. Right. Like if you just take want to give him what he idea. actually did on the field. <laughs> yeah. And so they're you know they're not using him that way, and that's a function of you know no pass rush. That's how Lovey Smith's scheme runs, and it, it it's almost kind of unfair to Stingley at this point, you know. And you you kind of almost wonder like oh, if you swapped very- if you swapped them and put Stingley up where, where Gardner's at, would he be having the same type of season? I think he'd be having a better season. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Stingley was, is the better guy. And I, and I do find it kind of weird because, you know, we've seen Lovey Smith get, like, a little bit more testy in press conferences, and he wants to tell D, DJ Bianame what the how life works and stuff. Mansplaining to him, man. Defense. <laughs> um, but 
he got really offended like when you would say you know does scheme fit matter and i don't think it should have when it came to actually drafting the player because i don't think nick casario should be like well how does this guy fit into a tampa two because we know that lovey smith's not along here like here for the long run but lovey would like get legit offended and act like are you kidding me you don't think i've adapted to today's nfl like and you're watching it and it's like yeah this is kind of why we were a little bit worried like just in this one year window not the big window uh about this corner being a scheme fit and i dismissed it because i took lovey at his word i took lovey at his word yeah and that hurts me <laughs> it hurts you yeah, and it's it's just frustrating from from a fan perspective, and you know, just watching him un, unjustly get you know picked on from PFF and everywhere else. It's just you know the grades are low. This is low. He's allowed this many this and that. And but let's be honest, Sauce hasn't played like really good quarterbacks or really good receivers. Like that's and, yeah. and last like last week, Josh Allen was hurt. Yeah. So just go through go through the actual and that's why I don't like these these stupid stat comparisons because they're not even factoring in. Yeah, oh yeah, the the QBR uh was, you know, whatever it was with Sauce Gardner. Oh, you mean when Mitchell Trubisky got benched and uh Pickett came in and made his season debut? Oh, okay. Like there's if you go back and look at the quarterbacks that the Jets that the Jets lost to and who they defeated like there was a bad list of quarterbacks there for a while. Uh, oh, Tua doesn't play, so uh, Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt on the first play, and then the third stringer comes in. Yeah, I'm sure that anytime they threw at Sauce Gardner, the guy who had no business playing in an NFL game just had trouble completing the pass. Like even last week against Josh Allen, that was the case. So I, I think the comparisons are they're just that they're hard to make, man. Like yeah, hard no, to it's... even like adjust the stats on when you're not taking any of that into account. Yeah, you had Baltimore week one, Cleveland, which is Brissett week two. Uh, yeah. Burrow, Burrow week three, Pittsburgh, whoever he played against they lost, week four. By the way, they lost to Burrow and they lost to they lost to Lamar. Yep. Miami, which they had the backup quarterback. Yep. The ghost of Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. The ghost of Russell Wilson. And Aaron Rodgers' thumb, that's where he messed up his thumb, if you remember, like yeah. all the all the talk about the thumb or finger. That was the game because it was on because uh it was a national game uh that that we, we got to watch. Uh and mm-hmm. it was on. He hurt his thumb. Like right. his thumb was bad and Lazard was out. So the yeah. Green Bay which like they have already no was wide like receivers. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like we're comparing these stats and it's like of course the QBR is that. I'm not even questioning the actual like way in which it's measured i'm just saying like if because i think it don't you you can you can speak to this better than me like don't you think like if you take just any amount of information like pro football focus grades and you know other uh, other like grades slash stats like it can be bad but if you if you learn how to like look past them you can kind of connect everything and be like okay this might make sense yeah there's not a good grasp that uh, that pff when it comes to offensive line and when it comes to corner, it can be accurate, but but they don't fall. There's no variables. Like it's either like this is the grade, this is the grade, this is the grade. They're not taking anything else into account. Yeah, and they're if like if they're not targeted per se, then there's really no no grade on that either. So, and PFF is just in any stat, it's really just one piece of the puzzle that you put together. I mean, I. I 
unfortunately I don't have as much time as I would like to be able to watch film and, and really pick apart and really put together all the factors together to make an assessment on a player. I kind of have to lean on, on other experts to do that, but PFF or whatever stat you want to do, is just one piece of the, of the puzzle that you, you put everything together to kind of generate your assessment. So no, it's not fair just to go off just the fact that Gardner's player grade this year is 86.1 and, and Stingley's is like 65 something. And that's, you know, that's a function of, of who they're playing. Like you're talking about the function of their defensive, the New York jets have a much better pass rush than Houston does. And, you know, just all those things kind of factor into it. So now, yeah, I think we're, I think we're all on the kind of the same page there with that. It was just, you know, something I was thinking about on the way home today. I was listening to one podcast and they were going through the awards and just like, oh, Gardner this, Gardner that, and uh, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's really not but, playing that. But like it's, as awesome as they're acting like he's acting. But like, it's as they're acting like he's playing. He's yeah. he's fine. Yeah. But I mean, they got a they got a good defense. They got a really 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 smart defensive coach. Like, yeah. Lovey can't hold his jock <laughs> no. uh, when it comes to like calling defense uh, in the NFL at this. I mean, come on. Yeah. But and, and they have. I mean, and they have an offense that will keep them off the field and give them a chance to win games. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's fair to compare Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley at this point. Like no. that's that's really really ridiculous. No, and I agree, and that's pretty much my 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 thought on the matter. So, but uh, you know, we got a lot of a lot of sources of streams going tonight. We're on Twitter Live, we're on YouTube Live, and we do have the the spaces open on Twitter for the cap and trade. I don't know why I put cap and space on Twitter spaces, but oh well doing too much at once, but wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you joining us for, appreciate you taking the time. Um, we just been kind of talking about a few things, but you know, coming up, we do have a, a an opponent in the New York giants coming up and Is that's that quarterback and pocket passer <laughs> pocket passer. Not so, very mobile. According to Lovey Smith, Lovey said everyone, uh, assumes that he's a pocket passer. That's what he said. It's it. Th- I can't figure that. I mean, I can't figure out this Whoa. roster either. Cause you look at this roster, you look at the giants roster and they're really before the season started, they were slated to be, you know, a bottom five team and their roster paper against paper against Houston is almost near identical. There's really, it's, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's the running back. Well, like, the, there's a difference like that. It's, I, and I know Pierce has been good, but, you know, the Giants, the, like, it's very clear, like, the reason that, like, Saquon Barkley not being healthy is proportional to, uh, pro- yeah, proportional to them not performing at as high a level. I, I think, I think they have a game changer potential top 15 uh, skill position guy when, when he's healthy. Who? And that's the difference, man. Oh, beyond Barkley, beyond Barkley. I mean, that's all they have, though. That's what I'm saying is they're they have two good tackles similar to houston their quarterbacks performing a little bit better this year than than mills is a little bit better running back but the wide receiver group in, in new york is just as bad very as it. comparable that's what i'm saying and so on paper at a high level view this these two rosters are are fairly comparable yet one team is six and two and one team has one win and yeah and that and, and I think it I think it comes down to a couple of things. I think Brian Dable's uh, a good head coach. Yes. Um, and I also think that 
they have better assistance because Week Martindale is one of the best That's what current I was defensive coordinators in the league. He's creative, and when maybe there are there is lacking personnel. By the way, Big Ninety Seven's a bad dude too uh, for them, but that they also they also blitz a lot. Like there's there's a lot of creativity there. There's like a nothing to lose type thing. They don't get passive. And they have Wink Martindale to thank for that. And I also think they have a very underrated uh, offensive assistant. I think Mike Kafka was one of the one of the keys to. Kansas I didn't even City. realize that he was asked, there until. Huh? I didn't realize Kafka was there until like week two, and that I that just somehow and, got away from me that he got pulled out of Kansas City to go call plays there, and you know that. Well, they 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 tricked because they had to keep the enemy as OC. And if you yeah. ask a lot of people, like in Kansas City, like you say, like you know what what's what's the deal with this guy they'll say you know they wouldn't have been too disappointed if the enemy had left because <laughs> kafka would have become offensive coordinator and and someone wouldn't have been, been able to do what the giants did which was offer like a promotion like a, up, like a, a, yeah. a new promotion yeah. so i i think he's kind of like kafka i think he's going to be a head coach probably in like two years maybe maybe even less because of what's going on with the giants but i think there's a lot of sirianni there in that you know uh, Gerard Johnson was on our show all the time. He's now in Minnesota. He's an assistant. And he's the guy who sold me on Sirianni because he was in Indianapolis. And he's like, dude, you have no idea he how was, much detail yeah. this guy goes into, like, in meetings and how much easier he makes everyone's job. And I know a lot of people are laughing right now, but Sirianni can be the that, guy. And you see what's happened to Indianapolis. That like, stuff came out quite a bit after Reich was fired. It was really hitting the, the public eye on how yeah. much and I, I think Kafka's like that. So you yeah. the, to go back to like what you think might separate these teams, I think they got a better head coach, I think they got a better assistant and I think they got obviously a healthy motivated Saquon. Yeah, and that, that's another thing that I think Dayball did very well when he, when he took that job was to bring in two very strong coordinators to where he can be just a head coach, float all the way through the organization, make sure everything's running smoothly instead of having to focus on calling plays and being a head coach. So, you know, I, I've never been a big fan of that dual role type of mentality that, you know, that Lovey does it with, with the defense here. So, you know, it's, but that that's, you know, you're, you're, you're nailing exactly what I was wanting to bring up is there's, there's six and two majority because of their coaching staff and how strong, how strong of a staff they have that they're able to work with that roster and win that many games. And they've got some good wins out there. I mean, they, they beat Tennessee, they beat Green Bay, they beat the Ravens, Jacksonville, not much to say about that, but you know, they've, they held the Cowboys only to, you know, to 23 points. So, you know, they've, they're, they're, they're definitely exceeding expectations up there. And I think, with spring, thinking about Winkdale and how aggressive he is, I'm curious to see how Pat Pemilton and Mills handle the, the heavy blitz that they're going to see. Um, Winkdale has a lot of wild formations. I think it was that last week we saw three players lined up over the center kind of in a row. In a row. And uh, he, he throws some wild formations out there. And, and Mills, for the most part, he handles a blitz okay, according to the numbers. And – We'll see if that transpires again now that, you know, he'll have Cooks back. What it seems like he should be back. Lovey said he's supposed to practice in full this week despite having a Veterans Day off today. He kind of rode the bike. 
And if Nico ends up playing, that'd be be nice to have him back out there. So it, that's going to be the kind of big thing is if the if Pierce can continue to run well, and then if Mills can handle the blitz appropriately, that's going to be the big factor this week. I mean, because when Mills is when he's under pressure, his 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 passer rating is actually higher when he's blitzed versus when he's under a clean pocket. So and his time to throw drops down like two tenths of a second. So it's uh, and being, I wonder where that comes from though, because like if if like the passer rating, that's like if if you get like nerdier into stats, mm-hmm. like a lot of times like the thing that you have to take into account when you're talking about like the blitz is like okay, sometimes taking a sack is a little bit better and holding on to it longer is a little bit better than just getting rid of it quick to like that, you know, five-yard option. And I think that's the one thing Davis Mills is good at is like Davis Mills is good at, oh, I'm just going to dump it to this guy. I'm not going to hold on to it, you know, for a second longer, like maybe Deshaun to where the guy that's in man all of a sudden gets open and you complete it. So I wonder like if, if we looked at these stats, like, is there like a really long completion Davis had against the blitz or something where someone got free where the stats get skewed? Because I, I don't know about you, but the way that you, the, the way that you said, you know, according to the stats, it doesn't feel like Davis Mills is just really good against the blitz, which I actually agree with in watching every snap of the season. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can't answer the question if there's something skewing the numbers, but you know, that's just what the numbers are, are showing at this point. So you know, we'll see if that holds true for this week. It'll be a, another good test for for this offense to see if they can continue showing some, like we talked about with the, the Philly game, some semblance of cohesion, pro- progress. You know, I just, I'm very concerned about the defense again this week. Um, you know, you should be. Barkley, like we were talking about, one of the best running backs right now in the league and going against probably one of the wor- worst run defenses in the league. And so – it's it's getting bad on the defense. They're regressing. You see the safety position. Jonathan Owens seems to be going backwards week in and week out. Now he's starting to lose playing time. For the first, what, six weeks of the season, he didn't come off the field. Now two games in a row he's been replaced by uh, Murray. And, uh, you know, so don't know really what to, to say about the safety position going backwards. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But the defense just is getting bad, 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 and, you know, I really don't. I know you. I know you're in. Fa- you're you prefer uh, losses at this point. That's a loss is a win for for Houston, but at least hopefully they can make it a competitive game and have some, not not have a blowout type game. At least keep it competitive because <laughs> it's like a six point line. So we'll see if it. We'll see if they can cover it once again like they've been doing covering the spread. But the, the guy that I think we need to worry the most about. Um, is Dexter Lawrence? That um, dude is a monster right now. Yeah, I, like we saw, we saw what Simmons did, you know, to the interior D line, and we've kind of seen hints throughout the season of kind of like the interior being a little bit, you know, inconsistent, especially when you know you line up right over the center. I, I think Dexter Lawrence is the guy you need to look out for to not only stop the run but just completely bully the interior of that Texas. This will be. I don't know how much they might try to avoid lining him up with Kenyon Green because I think Kenyon Green probably handle it a little bit better uh, than can at this point or whoever, whoever they put out there. I don't know. Kenyon Green's kind of been going backwards the past couple weeks. Yeah, but I mean the pass blocking and uh, like the the run blocking's fine. Like he, it, 
I, I think it, if you just say, hey, Kenyon Green block 97, I think he can do it fine. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I, there's, there's times where he looks like he might get confused and he might get a, like, lose his focus a little bit, but I, I, I think he'll be fine there. They're not, showing, not like, fine ish, but I think 97 is going to eat. They're showing mid, probably 50% of his snaps are lining up in the A gap, so he might get a little Scott Questenberry action, which is a little scary. Yeah, that's you think. Yeah, look out for ninety-seven. I'm yeah. I'm thinking like a sack and a half. Uh, yeah, he's got four this of, year with twenty-six pressures. My goodness, that is that is a stellar number for for an interior guy and Leonard Williams Aaron as Rogers, well. Go back yeah. if you go back and look at like the post-game press conference, and I think it's only like eight minutes, so it might be worth your time. Um, Aaron Rodgers, like unsolicited, is just talking about how incredible ninety-seven is. Yeah. Like I think he called him like an elite type of player or something. And that he's given what the Texans are on the inside, that's that's the one to watch. Yeah. So if you're listening on Twitter spaces and you got a question, um, you can hit that little comment box at the bottom right corner of, of the space of screen and, and tweet your question. We'll take a look at it and if you want to speak, uh request hit the request button. We'll see if we can work that in as well. If you're listening in on YouTube, uh, you know, post your comments there. We'll we'll get to those as well. I think we already got one comment come in. We'll we'll get to that here in a second. But uh, yeah, I, you know, a loss is a, a win at this point, and hopefully Houston can maintain that number one draft pick. So uh, Roe Baz- Detroit's going to win this week too. Who got Chicago? Well, I don't know. Justin Fields going to nah, run 180 that's, yards. That's going to be easy. Um, Detroit's going to win that one. And then maybe the Raiders beat the Colts and you get more space between those teams. Yeah, yeah I'm not, I think I don't know I like if I sh- we should be worried about Pittsburgh or not with the quarterback. Yeah, I do. No, I 100% do. And I, I got into it with a, with a list. I'm not like into it, but we, we had a back and forth. He doesn't think Pittsburgh would go for a quarterback. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like if they had the top pick in the draft like that it, it i compared it to like the josh rosen thing where yeah. you know a quarterback falls into your lap you're not necessarily like fully invested if you think there's a franchise guy there i 100 percent could see pittsburgh uh doing the arizona cardinals kyler murray from josh rosen type yeah, of thing they, they yeah i am could, worried about them because they're flip, not good could flip picket or something i mean it's rookie contracts make that make investing in a quarterback or any first round pick not as much of an investment as it was back in 09, 08, like when Matt Stafford and Sam Sam Braffer were signing those massive contracts coming out of college. So definitely, definitely think that's a, a concern. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we got a couple questions in before we move on to some other topics. So uh, Rob Bezel, let me hit this one here. At this point, could you give Mills another season, let's say hypothetically prioritize elsewhere and take a second and third draft day QB for backup. I mean, you, you can sign a veteran backup as well. I mean, that's going to be a, a a big discussion point as we get later in the year and into the off season. Is what approach will the Texans take? Do you build give Mills another season? Maybe sign another bridge quarterback, things like that, and have some type of competition and continue to build the environment around the quarterback position, or you just dive in head first, get a quarterback, and then try to to build on, build on to what you already have. So it's, I know Landry's kind of at 
you know, has been more on the side of build around mills for another yeah, season. And, and I'm kind of starting to, I'm kind of starting to flip on that. <laughs> now that the number one pick is a sure thing. Like I'm, I'm kind of starting to flip on it. Like the, the not do it was if it weren't Bryce young, but if it's Bryce young, I'm comfortable building around him. Like I'm very, I'm very, very comfortable with how much draft equity you got with what he is with his makeup. I'm very comfortable doing that. So yeah. you're so the the concern for you was more so if say they ended up with like pick five or six and had to yeah. give up additional equity to move up to get somebody. Yeah, and you just had to get Levis or you you know you you went with Stroud or something like that or someone else and sometimes that works out. But now that it now that I I feel like like Bryce Young is in the control and there's no like variables, I could get down with it. The thing I want, I want to like, if they do keep Davis Mills, the one thing that I do think would benefit them, and I think it would kind of fit into what Casario has done in the past, is they've significantly got to improve in the tight end area. And that, and and I, I, I'll, I'll point to like the Patriots, like one of their most, what well, one of their most impressive drafts was when they were able to get Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez uh, in the same draft, and it was like. Um, you're set at tight end for like the next however long, and we and we know a lot of stuff happened. But when that when that happened, that prolonged Tom Brady's career. Like, say what you want about Tom Brady, he's great, all that type of stuff. If they don't improve the tight end position like that, I don't know that Tom Brady's playing until forty. I mean, seriously. Uh, so that's what they have to do with Davis Mills, and the proof is in the pudding. We just talked about it. OJ Howard, first game there. Don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, uh, two touchdowns. Jordan Akins, Giants didn't want him. He comes here. Big play, touchdown. You saw uh, you, you saw the young, the young kid, got a kid out of Oregon. Uh, Keegan, Keegan Quintariano, however you say Quintariano. his name. I interviewed him the other day. Whatever, yeah. say it. Quintariano. Keegan Quintariano. There you go. He scored a touchdown in the first game. You – you need, like, you need, if you're going to bring back uh, Davis Mills, you need to improve the tight end position because it'll help him out, and there's proof that he likes it, and it's it's the only reason that Tom Brady was able to have the prolonged career that he had. Does anyone else fear the Texans are going to fall in love with Will Levis's character? I don't know his character. I don't I know, know like his he character has a either. mayonnaise viral video. <laughs> Uh, KJ, I'm not sure on that one, but I had to dig in a little bit more on uh, what what's going on with his character and if if it if that's something that uh, uh hopefully with with Easterby being gone, the uh, the character piece of it. I don't think he's it, on that level. I don't think he's on that uh, level. I know he transferred and then he went there, but the mayonnaise coffee is the thing that everyone's obsessing <laughs> over now. So. We saw some craziness go down. It's Landry. <laughs> oh my goodness! So we saw some craziness go down in in Indianapolis this this week, and uh, you know we saw Frank Wright get fired, and Jeff Saturday is now the interim head coach, and that's really kind of upset a lot of the the NFL circles with, you know, because it, it's the Rooney Rule doesn't really apply to to interim coaches. And for him to pull in somebody that has zero coaching experience beyond his 20, 20 and 16 record as a high school coach with one playoff win. Um, 
What do you what do you make of that situation? <laughs> I think that Jim Irsay, it all goes back to last year. And we talked about this heading into week one against the Colts. I think he was very, very embarrassed today that he let Frank Reich talk him into Carson Wentz. He was very embarrassed that they couldn't beat Jacksonville to get in the playoffs. I don't think he ever got over that. I don't think Frank Reich and Chris Ballard had a chance because I don't think Jim Mercy ever got over that. As far as the process to Jeff Saturday, I was as shocked as anyone else, but I really don't know. I, I My theory, and some people have said tanking and all that, my theory is that Jeff Saturday is going to end up being in the front office in some capacity, and he's basically a spy that is going to hold everybody accountable in that organization from the young kid that they like calling plays to the defensive coordinator to everyone on that roster that Jeff Saturday is basically like an in-house spy. And they're trying to win, but I think he ends up in the front office in some capacity. Uh, and I, I, if I were – if I were a betting man, I would be very worried if I were Chris Ballard. Yeah, I, I, I or, don't see or how. Or relieved. I don't know how he makes it after the season's over. I mean, it they took away Frank Wright's power after the, the Carson Wentz situation, and that was, that was Ursay demanding them get rid of Wentz without even having a plan in place. And then they, they stumbled into the Matt Ryan situation, and then it was Jim Ursay. Jim Mercer's call on on benching Matt Ryan to go to Sam Ellinger, and it's just really it, it's almost the the notion that I get is Ursay's kind of inching back to the way his father was, really starting to meddle into things. Ursay kind of has was good about staying back and not and letting his football ops folks run the program, and you know like he did with Bill Pulling and all that, and he's itching back into really heavy meddling, and it kind of. If I was Chris Ballard, I don't know if I'd want to stick around for that. And if that's the direction that Ursa is going to start going with the things and Ballard's always been kind of hamstrung from a cash standpoint, you know, they've Ursa has always historically been one of the lower cash spending organizations across the league. And that's always kind of hampered Chris Ballard a little bit, but the mentality of that we can outdevelop players better than you just hasn't paid off for Indianapolis and Ballard and, you know, it's I just all about the quarterback, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, he's six, really six it. or seven quarterbacks in five years, and that whole bridge program—that's the concern that I have with Houston—is trying to take that same path, and you get stuck in the same kind of situation that Indianapolis is in at this point. So, I don't see how Chris Ballard is around after the season's over. I think Ursa is just going to clean house and start over again, and and Ballard. I think Saturday's there though. Yeah. I, that's I can get on board with that, and but I think Ballard would have brought there to replace Ballard. That'd be interesting, and I think like that a Frank John Wright was something he hurled yeah. over to where he could be inside the stadium and basically just a spy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I, yeah. I don't I don't say spy like it's, it's no it's like he, he brought in it it's more of a hey Jeff give me your assessment of what you're seeing across the staff, across the organization, and report back to me after these next eight games, and then we'll see what we need to do. You know, it's kind of given Jeff a chance to kind of pre-screen, pre pre-screen 
pre pre screen uh, staff and an organization to decide who can stick around and who's not going to stick around next year. I think that would kind it's of be about the quarterback though, man. Yeah. Like the reason that Jim Irsay is is really like has this arrogance that can just appear at any point is because you got Peyton Manning and you got Andrew Luck, and then as soon as he stumbled you lost into those both guys, of them, yeah, it was done. So. Like he can he can talk about like hiring Tony Dungy when Tony Dungy was leaving Tampa Bay and all this like science that he talks about, but it's it's really all about the quarterback and I and I mean that's that's kind of a lesson for Casario too like you gotta you gotta figure it out you got you gotta figure out the QB position yeah and that's you know that's a message I put to you on on your show the other day and this is Indianapolis is gonna have to feel the pain of actually looking for a quarterback solution. They felt it the last three or four years when they, they traded out of that number three slot back during the, uh, the Sam Darnold draft, I'm not saying they should have drafted Arnold, but they, they drafted out of that spot to take a quarterback and they've never had the opportunity to do it since. And they're, they're going through what a majority of teams have gone through and having to search high and low to get your quarterback solution, whether it's a vet bridge draft, whatever it may be they're they're feeling that pain. No more stumbling into uh, Peyton Manning and, and Andrew Luck. So, yeah, I just want to get your opinion on that. I mean, it's it's just a, a crazy deal up there, and, and it's, it's wild. It's Jonathan Taylor though, right on the practice field, ready to go, running <laughs> through a wall for Jeff Saturday. <laughs> yeah, and his fantasy owners that he's let down. Yeah, not me. Not you. <laughs> not me. This is the first year that I have not played fantasy football, and it's actually been kind of enjoyable. I've yeah, always well, been heavy into it, and it's nice to be able to just watch the games life, without yeah. having a, having some alter, alternative agenda of hoping that a specific player scores or something like that. Well, that's your own thing. I yeah. mean, I, can, I don't – You can separate the two. I can separate it. <laughs> one league only. People ask me to do other – nope, one no, league. No. Same one for about 15 years now. Well, good for you. Um, now, uh, Patrick Storm did, he tweeted me a question, uh, the, other, uh, I think, uh, yesterday he had a question about the cap space and, and how things are shaping up for next year. So I just figured I'd kind of dive into that just a little bit. So as of today, the cap space for next year is looking around $49 million, but that number is going to come down dramatically. So let's just say they sign... 10 players off the practice squad to, to future future contracts right after the season's over. So that's an, that's 7.5 million coming off the cap right there. Maybe a little bit more. We'll call it eight. So you're down to, to 41 million. That's going to get you to 47 players on the contract. You're going to sign a few more players here and there to get up to 51. So you're looking at like 35, 36 million once you get to 51 players. And then the rookie pool today is going to take – 11.5 million. So now we're down to 28, 29, which is a good number. That's plenty of cap space, especially if they're able to rework uh, Laramie Tunsil into an extension. Maybe they end up trading Brandon Cooks in the offseason, which is something else we may dive into here in a little bit. But if they get a Laramie Tunsil extension done, you can save up probably another 10 to 12, 15 million there. If a Brandon Cook trade occurs, uh, there's a little more quite a bit of savings there as well about another 10 million in cap cap savings so we'll see what happens with those two players but roughly you're going to have anywhere from 28 to 32 million heading into free agency of effective cap space and 
I think I think your question was is you know would you expect more one to two year deals or could we see three to four year deals? I think they're going to stick with the one to two year deals. The way Casario continues to talk about outlook of no more than one to two years and how the rosters are going to change dramatically year over year. I think he may have a better opportunity of finding trying to find a, a more foundational player through free agency versus not, you know, since he won't be as handicapped on the salary cap like he's been the last two off seasons, but I don't think you're going to see too many, uh, too many three or four year contract deals, unless it's just a big name free agent that's going to command that type of deal. I think you're going to see continue on one and two year deals, free agency, just a, just a heads up. It looks bad next year. The free agency class, top to bottom. There's a few names in the edge. There's a few names in tight end. It's a pretty rough free agency class coming up. And so I know that the Texans have a lot of needs to cover, and you can't cover it all through the draft. So maybe he doesn't go heavy into free agency, considering the free agency class is going to be kind of weak. So that would be kind of be my, my response to that, Pat. Um, you know, maybe do we see one big free one big free agency signing? Possibly, you know, you, he's going to have, as of right now, 11 draft picks, and that, that just assumes he doesn't trade down. He might trade back out of, you know, the Browns, Browns pick or something like that, end up having 12 or 13 players drafted this coming year. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, if there's anywhere, you know, the team has so many dang needs. And I know Landry was talking about tight end. There's a few names coming off of, coming out at tight end. You're going to have – Dalton Schultz, Schultz, yeah, if he doesn't sign a deal after coming off the franchise. Gusecki is like, if you get rid of Brevin Jordan, then that's Gusecki because they're the same player. You know, Evan Ingram out of Jacksonville is going to be a free agent. And after that, it just it falls off a cliff very quick. You get into the to the Austin Hoopers and Jeff Swaim and Hayden Hurst type players of the year. Ryan Griffin, former Texans great, things like that. So. You know, Irv Smith might might be the only other younger tight end. He's he just you know he's injured for the rest of the year. Up and you think so? Even with Hawkinson, yeah, Yeah. he'll be a free agent. They, you know, so there's really that's the way it's going to be. They did give up a ransom for. Yeah, that was that was a trade though. Yeah, I I, you know I'm glad to see and I'm glad you brought that up because and Pat, I hope that answers your question. So the trade deadline was very busy. I want to go back to Pat's question. Yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll, no, no, we'll talk, we'll talk about trade in a minute. The, as far as what, uh, what he asked, I actually, I actually could see Dick Casario and his scouting staff falling in love with like three or four players to where you feel like, damn, why do they like this guy too much? Uh, I actually think they're going to look at free agency as an opportunity to overpay maybe a little bit for like certain free agents, like maybe four guys that they feel could be part of the four-year plan. Well, they're going to have to overpay uh, the Texans tax. No, will for be sure. Real. They would have to overpay, but they do have the 11 draft picks. Uh, so that's going to come down to earth. They might have the quarterback on his rookie deal. Uh, they're going to figure out some way to figure out the cooks thing. Um, I don't know if they're going to, you know, be able to unleash the whole contract. They'll probably have to take some of that on the chin and they'll redo the Laramie. But I think we're going to have like, whether it's a tight end like Dalton Schultz, where the Texans decide, damn, you know what? Probably not worth, you know, close to 10 mil a year for four years. But you know what? We're going to have a rookie quarterback, and this guy has shown what he can do. 
So maybe do something like that or find some edge guy that the film guys have time to love, uh, get in love with. I think we're going to see, we're going to see some got like some, not like splashes. I don't think they're going to be shopping at the top and overpaying, but no. there'll be some guys. I don't want to use this name, but it'll be like an Eric Murray deal that might, might work out a little bit better where we, where, where the Eric Murray process happened. And obviously for whatever reason, they, they overvalued that. I think we're going to see deals like that, but with a competent staff intact. Okay. Competent staff. Who, who's going to be not, the competent staff? They're not going to do the churn one year all the way through. There's going to be, there's going to be a couple of guys they look at in free agency and overpay that yeah. they think are going to be core guys. Yeah. It might have the Christian Kirk feel in Jacksonville, like on a lower level, but that's, that's what I think they're going to do that on multiple occasions. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a few names out there at edge and, uh, and you know, Nagak, out of Indianapolis will be a free agent. Robert Quinn will be a free agent. No, he's a little bit older. Uh, Dwayne Smoot. He's a very popular unknown name out of Jacksonville. He'll be a free agent at, after this year. And that's, a that's the kind of player I think like you're talking about, that's not a top of the market name, but is a, a very solid, like a tier two, maybe a back end tier one type of free agent or the first wave, second wave, however you want to classify it. I think that's the kind of players that they may be trying to target. Marcus Davenport, no Marcus Davenport out of new Orleans is going to be a free agent. He's only 27. You know, I think an Arden key out of Jacksonville, he only signed a one year deal there, but he's having a good season and he's only 27. So there's going to be a few names. I think you just pick and choose and sign. Like you said, one or two very strong, not top of the market splash, but very strong type of, of, of free agents. And if they go like on the interior side, I think you got, you know, I think the big, the big popular name is going to be Deron Payne out of Washington. He'll be a free agent. No, thanks for that. No, thanks. He's going to command a lot of money. He's going to overpay that. Yeah. He's going to command a lot of money. Um, there was a couple other names in here. So Ashawn Robinson out of Los Angeles Rams is going to be a free agent. I like Ashawn. He's from, uh, I think he's from Denton and he, uh, he, he went to Bama obviously, but nah, we're good there. One that's someone younger. I don't know if he'd be a kind of a reclamation project would be Taven Bryan out of, out of Cleveland. He's having a good season up there. He was a, he was a first round pick, first round pick for Jacksonville back in 2018 and they let him walk. And he signed just a, a, a four million dollar contract up in Cleveland and is playing up to that up to that contract pretty well. He's uh he's a good rotational interior guy that I think would make some sense for 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 the if for this team if they end up running you know, end up keeping Lovey Smith for another year. So I wanna ask you this. You just yeah. talked about interior run guy. Mm-hmm. If you could if you could rewind right now. Would you would you rather have Jordan Davis than Kenyon Green? Right now. Yes. I th- I. Th- and I like Kenyon Green. I man. do, I think but he's Jordan be a really Davis was, in this he's league, just been a dang. You look at the way that they have struggled to stop the run. You look at like the biggest mistake that they've made in letting someone walk was DJ Reader. I think DJ. I think that was big. I think Bill O'Brien might still have a job, actually, if DJ Reader uh, had stayed around. I think he would have been able to avoid 0-4. Um, if you look at, like, 
the chess pieces and like what we're saying they need now compared to like in a, in a whole bundle, that's going to be one we're going to look back at, man. Although I know that, I know that Jordan's hurt right now, but I'm not, I'm not taking that into account. Shout out to RJ for joining the show. Welcome. Um, there was one question that came in on Twitter spaces on, um, on are the, you talking about Jordan Davis or not? You, you are so ADD, Cap. I am. Jordan Davis. Keep moving on. I, did, I thought we covered it. You Davis, asked yes me? Yes or no? I said yes. I said yes okay, right, right in the very beginning. I, I said yes. Maybe you're not, you're not listening. <laughs> God. Okay. We got a I'm comment a, I'm on a, my Twitter, yes, sir. I'm, at at shortdong999. I'm a man of the people. What do you think of David Culley? The big show asked, are they going to look at picking up Abram? No, he got claimed today. Packers claimed him. I didn't want any part of that anyway. You didn't? No. By the way, we got Desmond King on In the Loop tomorrow. Outstanding. I, uh, I've got a bunch of questions to ask him, none to do with football. Right <laughs> what are the questions about? Or what's a preview? Um, let me see. I'll pull up the sheet here. Uh, let's see. Um, he's a Detroit guy. I think he's like a big Detroit rap guy. Troy Harrison said that Detroit rap was, uh, was still good. It sounded really weird when Figgy played it. Uh, I'm going to ask him if Iowa was boring for him to watch. Like it is me. Like I can't watch that. I know he went there. I just, I really can't deal with it. Okay. So I need him to explain that to me. I also think he's a, he's a Frenchie owner. So I'll talk to him about oh, being a Frenchie Pacey. owner. Or is it Macy or Pacey? Pacey. Pacey. That's yeah. right crazy got her own instagram handle and everything um what do you think about the trade deadline in general it was good to see good to see I think Cook should have been gone well yeah i think he should have been gone and, and the cowboys i heard from a very reliable source i think that, we've heard from the same Schefter, person and this was actually a between the lines adam Schefter. adam <laughs> Schefter said the texans wanted are the texans wanted a two, two and a four. four yep I automatically assume that maybe the Cowboys wanted to give up a four or something like that. I heard that the Cowboys were willing to give up a two. Mm -hmm. The quote I got from the cap guy was, or not from the cap guy, from someone who talked to the cap guy mm -hmm. was, I don't even know the cap guy's name. You probably do. You probably have like a. Uh, yeah. I keep like a roster of all the salary cap yeah, guys for each team. You know that. Wallet. <laughs> right, right above, right above the pics of your kids that you show people. But. That, that he overextended himself that nick casario overextended himself yeah so yeah so what i was told so was could have gotten a two yeah it was two and change is what i was told that it was what dude, was dude. how it, much would you pay for a two it was a two and change and they take on some of the the 2023 guarantee is what i was told and it's it's quite disappointing that they traded a two for Brandon Cooks two years ago, signed him to an extension, and were on ready to go to get a two back. You know, it would have been a late two, but to get that compensation for Cooks at this point, and I, I, I could never get a number of of how much money they were going to take on from from the twenty twenty three guarantee. I, the, the way that I, the way that I got it, and this would be even more disappointing than like actual numbers. The way that I got it and the way, you, you know, when you talk to me, like you kind of read between the lines mm -hmm. on it. The way that I got it was that they ran out of time. Mm 
Like it wasn't even it wasn't gonna, even like a, say it that. wasn't even like like a set number, which would be fine if whatever your set number yeah. is. If you're a GM, if you have a set number, you have a set number, and I can respect that. But the way that I got the information from my guy was they just simply ran out of effing time, so, which is crazy to me. So you saw when Pelissero put out that tweet that Monday was the deadline for adjusting contracts. Okay. Yes. When I first started talking to this guy about this information, he goes, do you think it's possible that both teams forgot about the deadline? I was like, no, I don't think both teams would have forgot. I don't think Will McClay forgot about the I don't deadline. think Will McClay and forgot about it either. Casario forgets about the deadline to when he has to like but it's they his next chicken breast. But the fact that they let it get past Monday into Tuesday when Nick came back and offered up re upped and wanted more compensation the two and the four, and that's when things just fell apart. The deadline was passed for adjusting the contract, so they couldn't get anything done. And yes, and that's, I think they were en route to getting done. Like that's why that's what Cooks's tw tweet, his frustration, was all about the fact that he thought a deal was done. He was getting ready to go to Dallas, and then the carpet got. Yeah, do you not think it's a coincidence that now all of a sudden they're turning the heat up on OBJ? Like Jerry Jones is. Yeah, there no, that's what I'm saying. They had, they had. That's I'm. I'm just explaining to the folks who are listening. That's, that's why. The other thing is, you had them desperate. That's the other thing that I don't like. Yeah. Is one, you run out of time. Two, you have them desperate. Like they, they wanted to get this deal done. And part of me says, well, let's be patient and see what the what what the Texans can get in the offseason for Brandon Cooks. You're not going to get this. You're gonna, like I find it hard to believe that you get a two this offseason, and you're definitely not going to find a team this desperate. No, it's going to be. So, but that's what I wanted to say was, is like the Cooks tweet was his frustration that he thought a deal was done and it fell apart on him. And that's where his frustration is. The offseason now, Brandon Cooks's value, it's going to be like a sixth rounder or a fifth rounder in the, this coming offseason. No, it's going to be an Amari Cooper trade. That's what I'm saying. The and, six six and, rounder. And it's, yeah. And, and and this is this kind of brings it full circle. How you can tell that that was such a stupid trade is because now the Cowboys are willing to take on Brandon Cooks and give up a second round and change. And you know how good they've drafted? Like, the Cowboys giving up a second-round pick is a big deal. Mm -hmm. if, if you look at, like, their first and second-round picks, like, the way that Will McClay has drafted is ridiculous. They were so desperate because of a, uh, of the Amari Cooper trade that they were willing to do that. Yeah. It, and I just – when you talk about running out of time and you talk about the fact that the team was that desperate, you're not going to get that opportunity yet. If they get a second, then I'll shut the hell up. But this is, you definitely got to get a second. And not to mention your culture guy, all of a sudden into culture guy. So that's, that's another element of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he supposedly, he asked for a trade specifically from Casario. I don't know when, I think it was pretty close to when the trade deadline was coming up. Cooks met with Casario and asked for the trade. They tried to get it done. Didn't work out. And, now you've got an unhappy Brandon Cooks for the rest of the season. So we'll see if he uh, will continue whenever there's an inc a miscommunication between him and Mills, if he'll just walk off the field with his back to Mills like it, like it happened in the, in the last game that he was playing. So it's a bad deal, but it's, it's disappointing. I will say that when I, when I started getting all those details, it, it just really disappointing that they bypassed and missed out on the opportunity trying to overextend and get, get more on top of already getting good, already getting good value. 
and really miss an opportunity. Round's my favorite round in the draft. That's where you make your. That's where you make your hay. That's the bread. Yeah. Like even in that in that picks twenty five lost picks twenty five to about pick sixty sixty five. That's where teams can really, really improve a roster at such a low low cost because the the decay on the on the on the contract value once you get past pick twenty really drops off. Especially after you get out of the first. 10 12 picks the tr- the contract value comes down fast and levels out and once you get into that late first round all of second round early first round early third round man you can really find some value there and having that at that extra second pick at the back half of the second round would have been would have been really nice to have so plus the gms let it fly in that round oh yeah yeah just let it fly like philadelphia they're like starting running back and aj brown they were all second round picks mm-hmm. yep so Derrick Henry, second round pick. Yeah, so it's 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 rough hearing that. You see what happens. See, maybe they can reassess. Maybe they can make amends. And he's here on the roster for twenty twenty three. And there's you know, it's probably may not going to be enough value out there to to make a move. Or maybe they just make a move. Just he's unhappy and wants to go. And it's just going to be a a crappy situation. And I think fans are going to be quite upset this coming off season if they end up having to trade him for a day three pick. Um, but as for the trade deadline altogether, it was it was fun and exciting. You know, 10, 10 trades on the deadline day, a few trades, you know, the day before that. And I think it's a function that you're you're starting to see the younger GMs come in and they're they're willing to move those draft picks for players, considering the cost of rookie contracts and you're bringing bringing in that trade value. And so it's just a function of the younger GMs are willing to make those kind of moves, willing to make those kind of trades, not the old GM model. I'm going to hoard picks there. You know, I want to keep that 20% lottery, you know, lottery pick in the third round versus going to get a vet to help me help my team get over the hump for the rest of the year. So it was very exciting to see all the trades. I hope it continues. I, I hope they're going to extend it. They're going to extend it probably two weeks. And that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. I just, I don't, you know, I don't know that we'll ever get to the, the major league, you know, the baseball and NBA level trading that goes on, but it's good to go get, you know, three or four years ago, you were lucky to have one or two trades on the trade deadline. And this time we're having 10 or 11 trades. It's just, it's a step in the right direction for, for, for the fan perspective. And it's really exciting. So, you know, it could have been, uh, could have been 12 trades if, if Houston would have fell on through with theirs. So, it was a bad deal, but there was there was some good trades. You know, we saw Roquan Smith went to Baltimore. I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out because he's a free agent next year, and there's only one franchise tag to be used. And if they use the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, then does Baltimore end up using that second? You know, they traded away a second round pick just for. Is, does it turn out to be a you know a half season rental because Roquan Smith's going to want twenty million dollars a year next year as an off ball linebacker? Um. You know, we talked about T.J. Hawkinson going to Minnesota, interdivision trade. The the I, I don't want to try to butcher his name, the GM up in uh, Minnesota, but he did all the draft study work in San Francisco, and so there's one person you don't want to trade with is probably him up in Minnesota. Howie Roseman's the other GM that I wouldn't want to trade with because I feel like you're going to get a fleeced every time. And then we saw Robert Quinn go to Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia continues to reload. Move. Yeah, that was a that was a good move by Roseman. Like I just said, he's very very good trader. 
and that in Roquan too, by the way, Baltimore. Yeah, probably so. I mean, they're, they've always, DaCosta's always been heavy into to the defense side of the ball, and they'll they'll make it work. It's just going to be very tight if they end up having to use a exclusive franchise tag on, on Lamar at, like, I think it's going to be around $49 million. So They're not going to franchise tag him. You, they'll, you think they'll get the extension done, or you think they're going to let him? Okay. 100%. Yeah. That's going to be interesting because Roquan Smith doesn't have an agent, and Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. They represent themselves. And uh, the only other one that was... It's always good when you're going against Jack Easterby, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, uh, Laramie Laramie won that battle pretty easily. He came into that negotiation, I think, at $28 million a year, $20, 27000000 million a year, and they end up at twenty-two. So, And then Clay Chapel went to uh, Chicago. That was kind of a weird one. That kind of came out of nowhere, and, and you know, Chicago's... People have so much hope for him. Yeah, yeah, I don't... I mean, Pittsburgh has always had a, a, a very strong history of, of drafting very good wide receivers, especially on day two. And then they end up flipping them <laughs> for a draft pick after after three years of it. But it, it was just weird to see that from Chicago, from a team who's still rebuilding or tearing down the roster to get to the end of the rebuild to start next year because they mm-hmm. have bukus of cap space next year and a lot of draft capital. And to use some of that on on Claypool, I don't know. Some were speculating that they were doing that to kind of help them evaluate Justin Fields because he didn't really have any other targets beyond uh, Darnell Mooney. Does that make any does that make that make any and sense commit. to you? And commit, yeah. Does I mean, that make any sense, sense to you? Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. It makes sense. I mean, Justin Fields. Justin Fields has looked better. Uh, yeah. Right now, I don't. I don't know how married they are to it, but he's looked better. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think like trading for Chase Claypool. I, I, I think it, it works whether it's Justin Fields or whether it's another quarterback. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and we talked about Hawks in Minnesota, a little mind-boggling in the division. So that's what I'm talking about. The younger GMs, I don't think they care about that in division stuff anymore. They shouldn't. The yeah. in division stuff, stupid. I like, mean, if you don't think the guy two games, helps two games a season, trade him somewhere else. Yeah. If you get compensation, then trade him to whoever. Who cares if it's in division? I never understood the Patriots that. Patriots traded Bledsoe to Buffalo. The Eagles traded that. Donovan McNabb to the uh, Washington. Then our words, uh, like it, it happens, man. Like I don't like don't trade in division. Don't care. If I don't want him, let him go. Cooks hates Mills. Shaking my head. Oh. He probably does. I think could Well, I don't know if he's upset at Mills. He doesn't like Pep's system, from what it sounds like. He hasn't been too happy with this system. <laughs> I'm not. A, I don't. I don't play in it, but it doesn't look very good There's so far. There's a gray far. area, but I don't love it. I don't love it. We got a couple of requests over on Twitter Spaces. We'll see if we can get some of these folks in here. So we'll go with uh, Leonidas first. He's been waiting the longest. Leonidas, what you got, buddy? Hey, I just got a question about Lovey, man. So, you know, our season, I mean, it's looking like it's going down the drain. So I'm just curious, with all this draft capital that we're about to get, do you guys actually think that Lovey's about to stick around for another year, even though we're seeing all these coaches getting fired and here and there? Even though it's going to look like a bad move, not a bad move, it's going to look bad on the Texans because we fired David Culley after one season. Or do you think he's just going to get like that um, – Romeo Cornell role and 
and Nick's going to get his guy default next next year following. Hmm. I think it, I guess it depends on Lovey if he wants to be here. Does he want to be here for another year? I don't know. I mean, maybe he's ready to retire, but I think at this point, I think they would probably Damn, stick would with, awesome. <laughs> if he retired. No, I mean, really, because it would get rid of any perception. Yeah, that's. That I, don't, I don't even think would necessarily be fair. Just like how San Francisco went through 2 1 and Duns. Like, if Lovey Smith just decided after this year to retire, it would be the, it would be so great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not... I'm putting that as a show topic tomorrow. That is like All right, amazing. See, see we can. Uh can help you out so but i mean if he didn't want to retire and he i think he would be here for another year and then it would be he would have to do very well to make it through next season and i don't like landry was saying the perception it it would be from a pr standpoint it'd be quite difficult to move on from lovey Cons- Two one and duns is is I mean San Francisco had to deal with it before they hired Shanahan. It's just it's a bad look. It's a bad oh, look, no but it's what. it's on top of the circumstances. Chip Kelly and Tom Sula just just not a good look it, for a GM. It's a bad look, but it's the percept the circumstances of how they ended up with Lovey Smith as their oh, choice yeah. as well. So do you not think Indianapolis kind of minimizes that though? No. Uh. Mm-mm. No, but I just think the way that whole you know, with the Flores went McCown train with the the Flores suit, and then that they went to Lovey, and I think just all of that put it all just together, and it it just it it makes it from a very difficult PR standpoint to uh, to move on from Lovey. So appreciate the question, Leonidas. Got a couple more here, so cash. Yeah. And then we'll go with Bryson after that. Cash, what you got, buddy? Take yourself off mute. Uh-oh. Going once, going twice. All right, Cash, come back if you want to. If you want to talk. All right, we'll go to Bryson. Bryson. Good evening. What you got, sir? Hey, what's up, man? Um, just a quick question. Um, going back to uh, that number one pick, um, is if we were to move on from Mills, generally speaking, would Bryce be the only quarterback that we feel comfortable doing that on? Are there other prospects that we would feel comfortable doing that on if we were to move on from Mills? It seems like it's Bryce or nothing because it's, I don't know, I feel like some folks are starting to sour a little bit on C.J. Stroud. Maybe I'm misreading that. And, you know, I saw a, a note from or a tweet today from Dame Brugler up at The Athletic, who's a big, their big uh, draft guy. He uh, said, the best draft guy. He said that this quarterback class doesn't have quite the amount of love that people think it does. And I don't think, you know, he said class, so I don't think he's picking on one specific player, but I think outs, I think it's kind of just Bryce Young or nothing else at this point. And that's what it should be. That's what it should be. For me, it's Bryce Young or bust. Bryce Young <laughs> Bryce or Young something or else. Bus. Yeah. Bryce Young or Will. Will, Jalen Carter, one of them. 
<laughs> Carter, man. Scary. Yeah, see, there you go. Jordan Davis. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Bryson. Thanks for the question. Um, of course. Yeah, have a good evening. You too. But, uh, yeah, it would be fun to see where they where they go with that draft pick, whether it's number one. Hopefully it's the number one pick, but we'll see what, what happens from there. But that's really all I had for the night, man. I really didn't have much else to cover. I mean, well, I had a ton of other notes. Jeez, but way to make the show sound exciting, man. This was an exciting show. Goodness what is gracious, your problem, man? man. You, well, that's you, all I had. I you, didn't have much today. I feel like you covered a lot of ground there. I man. did cover a lot of ground. I'm saying I didn't. But now people think you didn't have anything. Okay, let me let me just I'll erase what I just said in the post. I'll delete Dump all it. that. Dump it all. This was a jam-packed show, Landry. I appreciate all the all the topics that we got into. That's fantastic. I had a lot more talk topics to get to, but we just didn't quite get them all. We didn't. Was that and yeah. it, the good thing about it is we're not even halfway through, so it's going to be a really fun time. Uh, again, the chase for number one, uh, the evaluation of the players on the roster, all the wacky stuff going on around the division. This is this is a fun time to be alive, man. And I'm happy. I'm happy to be talking to you. Oh well, thank you for joining me once again, sir. And uh, you know, I appreciate everybody listening in, whether you're on Twitter, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Twitter Spaces. Had a lot of a lot of a lot of folks listening in from the various sources. Appreciate all the comments and the questions. A lot of good interactions. Those are always welcomed, and you know we have a lot of fun with these. And you know, just uh, make sure you following everybody involved here. We got at Landry Locker on Twitter, and he's got a YouTube channel, The Locker Room. Make sure you get on top of that. He's dumping out daily content, sometimes twice a day, if he's not wearing himself too thin. And he's just you know covering all aspects of everything, not just football. So. And uh, as for myself, at Texans Cap, and also I have the newsletter, capandtrade.substack.com. So get in on that. I'll try to. I'll probably get back on the written form as we get towards the end of the year, and uh, we'll continue on with the weekly show here through the uh, end of the season, end of the off season, as far as we can keep going. So, Landry, I appreciate the time, sir. Thank you, man. All right. Well, y'all have a good night. (laughs) All right. All right, well, y'all have a good night, and we will shut it down. Thank you.